My name's my name's Aiden Carney. So known as Turtle Boy. He is a senior editor for Turtle Boy Daily News. I'm a big fan. So we've broken hundreds of stories uh, that the mainstream media won't touch. From blogger in Massachusetts who's getting to the bottom of this better than anybody. Why is it Turtle Boy that is covering such important issues? Where is the rest of the media? You need to not say that you are going to take my baby out of revenge and make him a transgender baby. Stop it. Don't you want to ask some questions? I know you do. I do. I, I know you do. People don't like the things that I say and want me to stop saying them. But I won't. I'm never going to stop. These are the kind of stories that must be told. Not fucking working. Hey, are we on? Are we live? Hey, what's up, everyone? Hopefully we got that fixed. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Good, good, excellent. Welcome to the live show, ladies and gentlemen. You'll have to bear with me tonight. I have a wicked bad situation on my right here, like my upper. What's the tooth in the way back here? Your mouth in the top. That one fucking kills. I feel like George Washington right now. I don't know. I had a filling on there a while ago. Sometimes the fillings fall out. It like pain, dude, pain. But I'm gutting through it because that's what you do. That's what you do because I don't. There's no substitutions and there's no days off in this line of work. Blogging ain't easy. That's what they say. So. Anyway, folks, welcome to the live show. Uh, again, reminder to, uh, I'm Aiden Carney, by the way. You can call me that. You can call me Uncle Turtle Boy. You can call me Clarence if you'd like. You can call me, I prefer Dr. Turtle Boy, because that's also my Twitter handle, because of Jill Biden's doctor that I'm definitely a doctor. That's at D-O-C-T-O-R Turtle Boy. On Facebook, you can follow me. My personal account is Clarence Woods Emerson on uh, Facebook, you could also follow us on the Turtle Boy page, which is closing in on, I think, 25,000 turtle riders on there. That grew kind of fast. Uh, on Instagram, we are at turtleboy underscore daily underscore news. Yeah, I got it. I really got it. Like, I'm calling it Dennis first thing in the morning, dude. It fucking kills. Like, my whole gums, it hurts, man. It really hurts. So, I have, like, these extra strength ibuprofens. I'm pill popping over here. From the last time I had like my gums hurt or some shit. I don't know. But anyway, I'm dealing with that. Anyway, uh, yeah, Google, how long does pain? How, how long? <laughs> okay, there we go. Jim McCabe is definitely at fault for your tooth pain. I agree with that. What not nah, not getting a root canal. No fucking way. Every time I think that's gonna like I heard those suck. No fucking way. Anyway, I just gotta go to the dentist tomorrow, bottom line. All right, so uh, again, if you guys like the program, uh, make sure to follow us on all those channels. Also, follow us on Rumble if you haven't already. We passed 2,000 Rumble subscribers. We are streaming there right now. I see 45 people watching on Rumble on top of the 630 so far here on YouTube. So there we go. Rumble is censorship-free. They will never take down any of our content. 
uh, YouTube does like episode 575, which was, I think the second stream we did about Canton is just gone forever. We'll never see it again. Um, and yeah. Okay. Um, so if you guys like the program, by the way, you click at that link at the top, that brings you to something called turtle chat. Let me bring it up on my end. I will get a notification when you donate to turtle chat and I will read the message that you send along with your turtle chat out loud to the class. We got one last show, which I didn't read off, came at the end. It's from Steve. He sent $25. He said, the McCabe guy looks like Phil Margera, Bam Margera's dad from Jackass. It's Aiden and the Turtle Riders Against the World. Canton is going down for corruption. Thank you so for working so hard for us. You're very welcome, Steve. So, um, yeah, so you guys can do it that way, or you can just cash at me at dollar sign, Uncle Turtle Boy. We can do it that way as well. So, um, okay. So what we're going to talk about here tonight, uh, something I have not yet blogged about. So uh, today I didn't even do any of the Canton stories. It's all Canton all the time here for a while now. Like we're going to hit on other stories. Don't get me wrong. But this shit's just too juicy to give up. Uh, you know, how can we not talk about it? Um, quite frankly, this story is just fascinating. It gets crazier by the day. It's never seeming to go away. Um, oh, I see Yellow Cottage Tales tonight. So uh, he runs a, a YouTube channel um, that has talked about the Karen Reed case a lot. He said he had an interview with a guy tonight uh, who was going to have some insight about this. I believe he said that the guy had, I don't know if it's evidence that Karen, that John O'Keefe was inside 34 Fairview Road. Uh, I didn't, don't quote me on that, but... Um, I guess it was uh, postponed because he was not allowed to stream because of YouTube uh, for like 24 hours or something. So um, I was watching Tim Pool watching Trump. Oh, Trump's on. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've been on Tim Cast. I like Tim, uh, but he is just simping so hard for Trump right now. It, it's painful to watch him simp so hard for Trump. Uh, I mean, just the whining out of the Trump camp lately, the whining. Everybody knows I'm a DeSantis bro. Everybody knows that. But the whining out of the Trump camp about, oh, he's he's posing pictures. <clears throat> he's using memes of AI of Trump. They're calling it AI. We call it memes AI now. They're using Trump and they're making it seem like he hugged Fauci. Oh, would you prefer a meme of him getting railed in the ass by Fauci? Because I'm sure you can come up with one of those two. I mean, this is the same guy who literally... <laughs> What do you say about Ted Kennedy? Uh, about Ted Cruz's dad? Didn't he say that Ted Cruz's dad killed Kennedy or some shit? Like, calm down. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Anyway, um, enough of that shit. I don't really care that much because um, I don't uh, feel like politics just bores me these days. Just wake me up when it's time to get the primary started, and, and then we'll. Uh... Is, is there any way to contact me? Yeah, just email me at turtleboysports at gmail .com and we could do it that way. Okay, so um, like I said, uh, last couple of days we've done some stories that really haven't been about Canton that much, and the other stuff um, was stuff that we covered on the live show from this past weekend. So I've been meaning to get to here a couple of things that I've noticed about this case that we really need to go over. And one of the things that I've never seen before and I found fascinating was an interview that took place on on uh, February 3rd of Chris Albert 
and his wife Julie, as well as Brian Albert and his wife Nicole. So this is interesting because as we know, Michael Proctor knew, especially Chris Albert, extremely well. We're having trouble finding a picture of Michael and Brian together. There's not many pictures of Brian on the internet in general. Um, Chris is a lot more of the camera guy. Uh, but let, let's pull these up because I found some interesting things in these documents. So let's bring them up. Sorry if my uh, Fupa computers are being a little slow here. Okay. So, this is uh, written by Trooper Bekenick, but he is with Michael Proctor when this happens, and that's important to keep in mind while we are reading this. So let's read this as a class here. It says... On February 3rd, at approximately 520, Trooper Proctor and I traveled to 34 Fairview Road for a scheduled interview with Nicole Albert at her residence. Through our investigation into the death of John O'Keefe, Nicole had been identified as a witness present with the group of friends at Waterfall Bar and Grill on that day. She's also a resident with her husband, Brian, who invited some friends and family back to 34 Fairview Road in Canton, following the bar closing for the night and was a witness to events inside the home. The following is a summary of information requested and provided by Nicole during that interview to Trooper Proctor and me. All right. First thing, after being invited into the home by Nicole and her husband, Brian, Trooper Proctor and I formally introduced ourselves. Remember that line there. Formally introduced ourselves. Thank uh, and thank them both for their time. Now, think about that. To be formally introduced to someone, what does that mean? That means you've never met them before, right? Because you're being introduced to them for the first time. So he's saying here that Trooper Proctor and I, for the first time in our entire lives, are meeting Brian Albert and Nicole Albert in their home. It's the little shit like that that you notice afterwards and you're like whole like every time i go over and i review these documents more there's something that i miss and it's just like he is michael proctor is so dedicated to details like he if you go through all of his reports on this you will catch so many lies that we know now we know like little shit like that little phrases there about being formally introduced to him for the first time I mean, how sneaky is that? Let's read some more. <coughs> uh, Nicole began by saying that she does not know Karen, which is true, and had never met her prior to the 28th of January. She had met John O'Keefe once or twice in a social setting. She shared that she was aware that John had recently moved near her sister's home and only knew him as the girl's uncle. On the night of January 28th, she stated that she met her sister, Julie, daughter, she, that she met her sister, I think there's supposed to be a comma there, Julie, daughter, and then Tristan, I don't know, it's all fucked up, Tristan's not a girl, 
and her boyfriend. So I think it's supposed to be daughter Caitlin and her boyfriend Tristan out at dinner at approximately 7.30 at the Waterfall Bar and Grill. At approximately 9, Jen and Matt McCabe met uh, the Nicole, the Nicole and Julie at the bar. And uh, at approximately 10 o'clock, Brian came out after his return from New York City with Brian Higgins. Goes on to say, number three here. Um, wait, is this the report of Julie or, or Nicole? Yeah, like a lot of this shit here, like just to notice, again, Tristan is misspelled. That's another thing I notice here. Tristan is spelled T-R-I-S-T-I-N. It's a very unique spelling. And remember, Tristan is trying to become a Canton police officer. I believe he's fifth on the list. And his name is conveniently misspelled once again, as all names seem to be in Trooper Proctor reports. Or at least involving him. Now, Buchanan wrote this report, but Proctor is with him. So, you know, he's got his signature all over this. So, next part of this. At approximately 11 o'clock, Nicole remembered that. Hold on, I gotta zoom out a little bit. At approximately 11 o'clock, Nicole remembered that John and Karen came into the bar and were positioned on the opposite end of the high top table across uh, the group was occupying. Nicole recalled John coming over once and asking if they wanted anything from the bar. Nicole stated that John was wearing jeans, sneakers, and a hat. At approximately midnight, Nicole stated that she left the waterfall and was met at her home by her sister, Gemma Cabe, brother-in-law matt mccabe and husband brian nicole went on to say that all the guests left her home an hour later at approximately 1 a.m on the 29th of january that's so weird too by the way it's like so they, they all got there at 12 30 and then they left at one what why did they come over then like what was the, what kind of after party is that where you just go you want to come over for 30 minutes promptly and then get the fuck out Okay, that's odd. Later on during the morning, and by the way, that's not true as we've seen um, because Jennifer left at 1.47 a.m. Later on during the morning hours of January 29th of 2022, Nicole stated that she was still in bed when her sister Jen came into the room and shared with Nicole what had transpired outside and that John was found dead, deceased on the edge of her property by the street in the snow. Nicole stated that she never left her home, and by the time she came down the stairs, Camp Fire Department must have transported both John and Karen from the scene. Now, to me, the biggest thing about, of all the shady things these people have done, and that includes how long to die in cold, that includes getting rid of the dog, that includes selling the home, I think the shadiest thing these people did and the most incriminating thing they did was not come outside when a body was found on the lawn. That alone is the, is the by far the shadiest thing that they possibly could have done. You cannot tell me that this house, which is the property has dozens of people on it with radios making loud noises and a screaming woman 
screaming because her boyfriend is dead and she's doing CPR and she's allegedly yelling, did I hit him? Did I hit him? Did I hit him? At the top of her lungs, everyone can hear this. That this woman, right, sleeps, not only does she sleep through it, but her husband sleeps through it and her son, Brian Albert Jr. sleeps through it. And if her daughter, Caitlin Albert, was in the house, which I think she was, then she slept through it too. That all these people just slept through this thing. I find that incredibly hard to believe. And to me, that's one of the most incriminating things. So this kind of addresses that the blurb here, because it says again, that Nicole stated she was still in bed when her sister, Jen came into the room and shared with her what had happened. Now question, and this just kind of came to me today. How did Jen McCabe get in the house? How did she get inside the house? She doesn't have a key. She never mentioned having a key or anything like that. So are we to believe that a Boston police officer, a Boston police sergeant, not only doesn't have cameras on his house, but he also doesn't even lock his door. He doesn't even lock his goddamn door. So, um, it goes on to say, Who's messaging me during the show asking questions about that? Anyway, um, she knows the code. There was no code. So the, it's her sister's house, but there was no code. The The door, are, are we to believe the door was unlocked? That she just walked into the house? I don't know. I find that incredibly hard to believe. Of course, we know that she called her at 6.07 and 6.08. The calls lasted seven seconds and nine seconds. And Adam Lally is claiming that those calls were indicative of a voicemail that picked him up because he claims, even though it said answered, whereas a voicemail would be unanswered. And that's obviously ridiculous. He claims that those, that means it's voicemail. I mean, that's how stupid Adam Lally thinks you all are, but we're not stupid. Are we? We're much. And I love how just when he came out with their new bombshell about the, the black box, Oh, we have this bombshell that she, she hit him. The black box says, so everyone's immediate reaction was like, okay, lunchbox. Okay. Lunchbox. Sure thing. Yeah. Well, let me guess. You got another trick, another lie from lunchbox. Like we all know better at this point. Don't we folks? We all know better. Goes on to say, um, that according to Nicole, there was no fights, arguments, or altercations at any time during the night between anyone present at Waterfall or at her home on 34 Fairview Road in Ken. Nicole stated that everything was fine, and she remembered John. First of all, why would that question even be asked if there was a fight at her home? Why would, anyone, why would the troopers ask that? He was never inside, so why would they even ask that question? But okay. Nicole stated that everything was fine, and she remembered John talking to her sister Jen at the bar. Nicole did not observe any injuries on John while he was present at the bar. She shared that her and Brian walked out of Waterfall prior to John and Karen, and that the two were still at the bar at that time. When asked about the utility box at the edge of her property near the flagpole where John was found, Nicole stated that it had been open and slightly damaged for a long time prior to January 20th. I don't even know what that is. Utility box? That's the first time I've ever even heard of that. But 
Directing her attention to her home following the waterfall, Nicole stated that she did not hear any arguments or noises coming from outside her home and that neither John nor Karen came in the house at any point. So this makes her a liar, first of all, about him not coming in the house, which makes her just as complicit as the rest of them. Um, but secondly, and for all the people saying, oh, how, how could all these people do this? How could uh, all these people come together for conspiracy? Because they're, they're family, stupid. Because they're family. And my prediction at the end of this and a lot of people have thrown this out lately is I think they're going to all turn on Brian Higgins because he's the only one that's not family, isn't he? So Brian Higgins, if you're listening to this right now, uh, my inbox is open, turtleboysports at gmail.com if you'd like to talk because I got bad news for you, Brian Higgins. The plan here, when, not if, when Karen Reed is exonerated and the charges against her are either dropped or she is acquitted, they're going to go and come after someone. They're not just going to say, we're not going to get justice for a dead cop. That's, that's not going to happen. Somebody has to go down for this. So I hope you know that. And Brian Albert is not going to turn on Colin Albert. His family is not going to allow that to happen. His brother, Chris, is not going to allow that to happen. His sister-in-law, Julie, is not going to allow that to happen. And they're going to look around and they're going to be like, well... How about that fucking guy? That's you, Brian Higgins. So I hope you know that. Like, that is the plan. If you're too stupid to figure that out by now, that is their plan here. They've already, you know, If you don't think they've thought of this, then you're underestimating what kind of psychopaths you're dealing with here. These people are not going to go to jail willingly. The, they had no problem framing Karen Reed for a murder she didn't commit. You don't think they have a problem framing you for a murder that you might not have committed? So you better, I would highly recommend to Brian Higgins to get out in front of it. Like you got to get out, dude. You like, If you start coming clean now about this shit, and I know that the, uh, the Alberts and the McCabes are watching this. They always do. Matt even quoted one of my most recent shows last time I saw him. So I know that they, they know this too. So I, I sincere, and I know they're watching this like, shut up, turtle boy, shut up, turtle boy. Exactly, Brian. This is why you need to jump ship. You need to think, you need to save yourself, my dude. You're looking at life in prison. That is their plan for you to send you to jail for life in prison. They'll take their whatever, a couple of years that they get, whatever. They won't do life. They'll rebound, whatever. Okay. You, they're, they're, they plan on having you rot. So just understand that. So I highly suggest that you ditch them before they ditch you because they will turn on you. You're the only one in this whole situation who's not family. The only one. They cannot wait to do that to you. But anyway, they're texting Brian. And they're probably, no, we would never do that, Brian. Let me guess, you're getting a text from them right now. We would never do that to you, Brian. They would do that. They would definitely do that, okay? These people left a man to die on the front of their home and then framed a, a woman who they knew to be innocent and then kept showing up to her courties. That's how sick they are to show support to the family members of the man that they murdered. That's pretty sick. So uh, it says back to this, she didn't hear any arguments or noises coming from outside the house. 
Uh, we'll get to that in one second. Nicole went on to say that she was not aware that her sister Janet even invited John and Karen to the house uh, following the waterfall without having any additional information to share with Trooper Proctor and me. We thanked Nicole for her time and concluded the interview without having any info. So like you guys didn't have any other questions there, Bukenik, about that. Like you had no questions about like why did like notice in this interview, it's you didn't notice anything, but that would be the first thing a cop said. You didn't notice. Nobody noticed. Really? Or how did Jen, like, why am I asking these questions that really Buchanan and Proctor should be asking? Of course, we know the answer to that is that Trooper Proctor is already doing his job at this point, already covering for them. But there's that. Okay. Uh, but the part I thought was interesting there was during uh, directing her attention to her home following the waterfall. She stated she didn't hear any arguments or noises coming from outside her house. Now this, the noises part there to me directly contradicts and refutes Adam Lally's new uh, black box, the black box that he's got that says that he believes that proves that Karen Reed backed into him at a high rate of speed. And that she killed him, I guess, when that happened and drove away during a three-point turn. Do you know how loud that would be? You think that's going to be quiet? Like, can we do a test on that? Can we hit somebody going? Didn't they say 29 miles an hour, too? Didn't they put that number out there and then they took away? Going 29. Did we freeze? Okay. Going 29 miles an hour hitting somebody like that. How much noise does that make? You're going to notice that if you're in the house, they did all just gotten there too. Matt McCabe's sitting in the window, pleasuring himself to traffic as he has a tendency to do. And nobody heard this. And she literally says there's no noises. So there's that. Don't worry though. As we speak, Adam Lally is hearing what I'm saying and he's coming up with a way to explain that because that's what that man does if you want to call him a man okay so here's another interview so this is on February 10th Proctor and Chris Albert uh, Proctor and Buchanan rather interviewed Chris Albert on February 10th now uh, I guess their relation to this is they were at the waterfall bar that night so that's what they want to talk to them about. They don't want to talk about like your son being there or anything like that, which is the really interesting part. But they want to talk about like, how many drinks did you have? You know, did you have five drinks? Did you have six drinks? Did you bring a drink in from the other bar? That's what they really want to do. They leave with a glass in their hand. And then did you kill someone with that drink? Okay. Now let's also keep in mind with this, with the Chris Albert side of it. We, we don't have any pictures of Michael Proctor and Brian Albert. And the prosecution is saying that they're not actually tight and they know each other, but they can't say that about Chris Albert. Chris Albert commented on, I believe it was Proctor's dad or somebody in his family, uh, a loved one who died. And they, they wished their well wishes on there. Uh, Proctor's sister loved Colin Albert. It was like infatuated. I don't know if she's, I think she was the godmother. Of them, she is upset. No, was that Jill Daniels? Jill Daniels, who is the sister 
of Julie Albert. So fucking confusing, this family tree. She is Colin's godmother. And we've seen a whole bunch of pictures of the Chris Albert family with the Proctors. Now, you can argue that Michael, that Brian Albert's clan isn't close with them. I find that hard to believe. But there's no doubt that Chris Albert knew Michael Proctor extremely well. And if Chris Albert knows Michael Proctor extremely well, it's obviously understandable and believable that even if Michael Proctor didn't know Brian Albert that well, that Chris Albert would say, Hey, Mike, you got to take care of my, this is my son and my brother are involved in this. You got to help us out. You got to help us out. So let's read this and keep that in mind. How well they know each other. On February 10th at approximately 5.30, Trooper Proctor and I proceeded to 22 Maple Street in Canton, Unit L, because they couldn't afford to live in his house anymore, to conduct a pre-scheduled interview of Julie and Chris Albert at their residence. Both Julie and Chris were present at the Waterfall Bar and Grill the night of January 28th, 2022, and then followed Brian Albert's home in the early and followed to Brian Albert's home in the early mornings of uh, morning hours of January 29th. The purpose is to get their recollection of the events at the bar and then from 34 Fairview Road. So they were 34 Fairview. Interesting. Okay. Here we go again, folks. Following formal introductions. For, there they go again with their language, guys. Formal introductions. Like, dude, he wrote that down. Following, hello, Mr. Hello, Trooper Proctor. I'm Chris Albert. Oh, I've never met you before, Trooper Proctor. Have you ever been to any weddings? Oh, you look really familiar. Oh, yeah. Isn't your, um, isn't your sister kind of obsessed with my son, Colin? Oh, yeah. Didn't we, like, attend the same family party a couple weeks ago and post pictures of it on Facebook. I mean, seriously, this is the, the, this is what I mean by the little shit following formal introductions, dude, you've known these people for years. We got pictures of you guys together on Facebook in 2016. We got a picture of Colin when he's seven years old with Michael Proctor at Michael Proctor's sister's wedding. I've shown that picture a million times. Colin's seven in that. Jill Daniels is in that picture. Sister of Julie Albert. They're all in that picture. They've known each other for, I mean, Colin is was 18 when this happened and seven in that picture. So for at least 11 years, we've got them together. Probably much longer than that. They live in the same town. Jesus Christ. So, I mean, this is just insane. That, see what I mean by the little shit? It's the little shit. They provided her cell phone. Chris Albert stated his cell phone number. Oh, well, let's call. I don't think we've ever called that before. How we, we're going to call that. Let me know if we get static. We're calling that right now. He's probably watching, but fuck it. Who cares? We'll give it a shot. Stalin's number, by the way. Come on, pick up.
Please leave your message for 7815710601. Yes, uh, Chicken Palm Charlie, this is award-winning journalist Aiden Carney calling you back. You messaged me on the on the night of April 17th when I first wrote a story about uh, your son being involved in the death of John O'Keefe. He said it was unfortunate that I was going to write about that. Uh, I have not heard back from you yet, so I'm still following up on that. I'd also like to know about a report that I'm reading right now in which uh, Trooper Proctor claims that he was formally introduced to you on February 10th, 2021, uh, 2022. I'm a little confused by that because we have pictures of your family with Trooper Proctor dating back as far as I believe 2011, if not further. So uh, did you guys both have amnesia that day when you, that you needed to be formally introduced? Do you often need to be introduced uh, to people that you've known for a long time. Do you live perpetually in Groundhog Day? I know this was right around Groundhog Day when this happened. So maybe just kept replaying and you have to you know, do it all over again the next day. I don't know. I, I'd like to learn more about this. So if you get me uh, back to me, uh, that'd be great. And also I'll take two large chicken parms, extra mozzarella, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Okay. Didn't answer. We'll see if he calls me back. Actually, we got his wife's number too. Let's call her. Let's call Julie. See what she's up to. Okay. This is a class of 1994. Now, I mean, this is bad when you, I want to ask her. It's like, okay, I got a question for her. I got a question for her. I know they're watching right now. They're probably text. Don't pick up. Don't pick up. Oh, it's provolone. Duh. Please leave your message for seven eight one five. Hi, Julie. This is award-winning journalist Aiden Carney calling from Turtle Boy Daily News. Just calling to ask you a few questions. I saw you at the town at the uh, Board of Selectmen meeting a few weeks ago. You looked great and extremely happy in the front row and extremely comfortable, like you wanted to be there. So, just wanted to ask you a couple questions. I'm reading a police report right now from February 10th, 2022, in which Michael Proctor says he interviewed you and introduced himself for the first time, which confuses me a little bit because it seems like your family has known him for quite some time. I was wondering how your son, Colin, who was at 34 Fairview Road the night that John O'Keefe was murdered, ended up in a wedding party with. Trooper Proctor and Trooper Proctor's sister um, before he was actually a trooper. And I want to know, how did you guys meet? And did you guys just forget about each other over time that you had to be reintroduced again? But what I'd really like to know is if you were in the Canton High School class of 1994, how the hell did Jen McCabe win Best Looking? Were they using Dominion voting machines? How, like, how does that happen? And how does that hurt your self-esteem to know that you were in the same graduating class as jennifer mccabe and she got best looking like how does that how do you cope with that do you need therapy that has to hurt your feelings right um because that would just devastate me if i lost a horse face so uh give me a call back when you got this and we'll talk soon bye 
Okay. I don't think she's going to call me back. We'll see. All right. So back to this uh, report here. <laughs> I mean, it's true. That that has to just be a kick in the balls. Imagine graduating <laughs> with Jennifer McCabe and not getting best looking. If you're in her class, like everyone should beat her. Everyone. <laughs> yikes. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So both stated that it had been four or five years that they knew the victim. Is that even true? I got no, I guess that makes sense because they lived on his street. So that would make sense. They would they would know John O'Keefe better than anyone. And only met Karen Reed once in a social setting prior to the 28th of January. I wonder why she didn't want to hang out with you, retards. Julie told us that Karen was not her friend and only acquaintance, and that John was her friend. I'm sure. Yeah, great friends. Chris told us that he had never exchanged personal info with John prior to the 28th of January. He had never exchanged personal info with John. What the hell does that mean? He went on to say that earlier in the day, John came into DNA pizza with his adopted son. Chris shared with us that he had plans to go to CF McCarthy's or the waterfall later on in the evening. Julie texted John that she was at Waterfall around 8.45 p.m. telling him to get down there. And I'm assuming that's true because that would be in John's uh, log. At 10.41, Julie sent the last text to John. And shortly after, John and Karen walked into the bar. Goes on to say, Julie remembered that John, that, that as John and Karen walked into the bar area. Karen pulled out a drink in her jacket and sat it on the high top table. Now, you know what? I'm not, I'm not done arguing about this. I think it's so stupid. Like, I think in my initial reporting, I'm like, I find that hard to believe. I just don't give a shit. It's just such a trivial, who cares if she brought another drink in from another, like, who cares? I understand what they're trying to get at here. Oh, she's so shit-faced that she brought a drink from the other bar. It's like, it really is an inconsequential detail that detail that they tend to focus on. All the things that they focus on are really just things that don't matter. And that's how you know that their case is weak. Because it's all shit that doesn't matter. And I'm going to read Turtle Chats in a moment. Um, So it goes on to say that John offered to get Karen a new drink but neither Chris nor Julie remember whether he followed through with it. Shortly after this, Julie developed a migraine and left the bar to go home. Chris stayed behind with the rest of the group for a few more drinks. He told us he purchased a round of shots of fireball whiskey for the group. Oh, what are they hanging out? Crusty panties? Oh, I mean, dude, like how old are these fucking people? This is what they do. This is like a typical Saturday night for them. It's like, Go to the CF McCarthy's, get shit face, round a fireball for everyone. Then after party at Brian's house, we're going to get pizza and we're going to play beer pong and shit. Uh, and our kids are coming over too. They, they're old enough to party. So now we have more friends to hang out with. Our kids are our friends. So do the rules. Of course it's fireball. Exactly. Okay. So. Chris told us that John was drinking Bud Lights. Hey, come on. Don't disrespect the dead. Stop it, Chris. During the evening, Chris told us that John actually got Karen the same drink that she brought in, which he assumed was vodka, soda, water. 
Chris stated that when he walked out of the waterfall, he remembers John and Karen walking in the opposite direction of his path and suspects that he walked right and the couple walked left on Washington Street. Chris recalled John being dressed in a baseball hat, gray sweatshirt, and jeans. When asked the drink that Karen brought into the waterfall, Julie told us it was a taller, I don't know how to pronounce this, cylindrical shaped glass with a lime in it. Both Julie and Chris agreed that Karen was, quote, not shit-faced and that John is always reserved. That's I, They all said this, that Karen did not appear drunk, that Karen was not fighting with John. Yet at the same time, they want us to believe that she was so shit-faced and so mad that she drove into him on purpose. Okay. Sure thing, Lunchbox, whatever you say. When asked about the drink... Um, let's see, where were they? Julie told us jokingly that John and she had a conversation about a block party since the Alberts moved away and that he was not intoxicated and Karen was totally herself. According to both Julie and Chris, nothing about their behavior indicated that either one was drunk or even buzzed. Both held the conversation perfectly fine when asked Julie and Chris stated there were no arguments between anyone present at the bar in general, but specifically no issues between Karen and John. Now, here's another interesting thing. How about this? I want you to now. I don't know if this is a mistake, but this is fucking interesting. Read this part. Julie told us that she was asleep at 4.55 a.m. on January 29th, 2022, when her phone woke her up and it was Jen's missed call. And that is how she found out about John dying. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Who knows what's fucked up about that part? That Julie told us she was asleep at 4.55 when her phone went off and missed, saw Jen's missed call. And that is how she found out about John dying. Bingo. She learned about John being dead before John's body was found. John's body was not found until 6.04 a.m. But here is Julie Albert. Maybe it's because they interviewed her on February 10th. Maybe the, it fucked her up. Maybe she didn't get the, the, she forgot the plan, the timeline here. He was found at 6.04 a.m. And here she is saying that she knows he's dead. At 4.55, because Jen called her. Now, what are they going to say to that? Was that another mistake? I mean, is this the most incompetent two detectives in the history of mankind? Michael Proctor and Yuri Buckrack here? They're, these guys, they can't. Yuri Bukaki, whatever his name is. Anyway, when asked about both Julie and Chris told her that... Uh, John did not have any injuries to his face <laughs> during the time at the waterfall. Love how the proctor includes shit like that. So, okay, so let me get straight. So he didn't have any. So you're saying his eyeballs were not coming out of his face when you saw him at the, at the waterfall bar? Was there any gash to the back of his head? No? Okay, good. I guess that means Karen Reed fucking killed him, right? <laughs> like, what? The shit that they include in here that makes it sound like, oh, uh, like he's like, on to, we, we figured this one out. When asked to list everyone present at their table, Julie and Carissa mentioned everyone previously accounted for, 
Additionally, Chris mentioned a Greek couple that was at the, their table. And we've, I believe one of them's a lawyer and we heard, I, I don't know that much about them. Trooper Proctor has positively identified the two and scheduled an interview with them without having any more information to provide. Trooper Proctor and I concluded our interview with Julie and Chris. We thanked them for their time. We left without any sort of incident. So we're going to get to some uh, another part of the timeline in a moment. Let me read off some donos here, shall we? Now, the bar had a lot of cameras. The bar definitely had cameras, but it's like, I feel like all the bar stuff is just a distraction. Talking about how many drinks she had, talking about what she walked in there with. It's all just like, what the fuck does any of it matter? She could have had a hundred drinks there. It wouldn't fucking matter. It wouldn't change the fact that John O'Keefe's body was clearly bitten by a fucking dog. And Karen Reed doesn't have a dog in her car. So it couldn't have been her. She had to have been inside the house because they had a man-eating dog in there that has now disappeared. Okay. No, no, we, we, we've mentioned the Greek couple before. He does interview them later on and they kind of, they don't, they have nothing of interest to add to the story. Okay. Um, let me read. We got 125 people in rumble. Love to see it. Okay. Let me read some turtle chats here. If we have any, I got a couple on my phone, but I want to read them on the Puda first. Okay. All right. We got a couple turtle chats to read here. First one is from seven pounder. He says, Please, Pope, the weather sucks and I can't go fishing. And all I do is work. Can you help? Sorry, I can't help you there, but I appreciate that seven pounder. I appreciate that. Next up, Truth Matters sends $31. $31 for the 31 shots the police used to execute Justin Root while on the ground, covered in blood, eyes rolled in the back of his head and incapable of being a threat to anyone in Chestnut Hill. DA Michael Morrissey exonerated these officers in only 30 days. This was a murder that got covered up. It is unbelievable that an officer of 20 years would mistake a clear, giant, intergalactic-looking plastic paintball marker with a visible chimney on it for a forearm. The officer took out his gun without any de-escalation or conversation in an area surrounded by four mental health facilities. An eyewitness, another security guard from over 50 feet away, knew it was a toy. Sources have revealed that there was no threat to the Brigham security guard who initiated the call to 911. Contrary to what was reported to the public, everyone should sign the petition for an independent investigation at justinroot.com. All right. So thank you, Truth Matters. I appreciate that. I haven't had much time to, I know some people have mentioned that to me. I just, I haven't had the time to look into it. I'm only one man, but uh, you can always do it that way. You can do a turtle chat and I will read whatever you send. So that works too. All right, $25 here from Brittany says, I can definitely see why Lally is crying no fair to Auntie Bev now. You have to admit, putting Alan Jackson up against Lunchbox Lally is kind of like getting a six-inch male onto a middle school girl's track. Oh, a six-foot male onto a middle school girl's track team. Very true. Very true. Thank you, Brittany. Uh, next up, uh, DW sends $25, says, I want the feds to act in this case so damn bad. I, I'm with you on that one, man. I get like, I'm like every day, I'm like, is today the day? Probably not. But man, it would be sweet if it was. Because man, let me just tell you, I dream about the day that this is going to, when this all ends, when the, like, will there be a bigger day in Turtle Boy history? No. The, that will be the biggest day in Turtle Boy history when that happens. 
when these charges are either dropped, which would be preferable, or Karen Reed is acquitted, which would be much more dramatic and crazy. I mean, for her sake, I hope it doesn't go that way. Um, for our sake, the viewing audience, obviously that would be must read, must watch everything. Like the whole thing would be televised and we would be talking about it. And I'm sure that Lally would humor us all. Like it would be entertaining. Um, and so for that, you know, for that reason, I, I would very much enjoy watching a trial, but uh, from a human perspective, uh, in that Karen Reed is a human being, uh, I would not want her to go through that. I think that would be cruel and unusual and anxiety provoking. And, uh, so I hope for her sake, it doesn't get to that, but either way, one of these days, she's either going to be acquitted or exonerated, but the real thing will be when someone's actually arrested for this, the people who did it are held responsible. Again, Brian Higgins, you might want to get ahead of that. Cause you're the fall guy, my dude. You are the fall guy. So you might want to go ahead and jump on that. But that is going to be the most satisfying day. It will like our following will increase a hundred times because every mainstream media outlet will be forced to write about it, about what happened. It's going to become a national story. It's much bigger than it already is. It's, it's a regional story now. It's going to become a national story. It's going to become on Dateline. And we, of course, are now going to be part of the narrative with that. Like we've been mentioned in the Boston Globe with this. Um, when Dateline does this, of course, Dateline is going to talk about Turtle Boy's involvement in this. Because Turtle Boy is the one that acted as the catalyst to get the media, whatever. Like, dude, I mean, the gag motion's happening because of me. The star witness for the prosecution tried to get an order on me because I questioned her outside of court. And then I went to the and I'm going to see her again soon because I hate that bitch. But uh, only on a professional level, Jen. I don't really know you personally, but you probably suck personally too. Um, so DW goes on to say, it's going to be a glorious day and it can't come soon enough. Consider this a contribution to the Uncle Turtle Boy celebration at the Barking Crab. I don't even know what that is. When these losers have to appear at the federal courthouse. Oh, is it in the South Boston waterfront? Absolutely. Fucking that is going to be awesome. Awesome. I mean, think of the headlines, like a, if a, especially if Brian Albert's arrested, like Boston police officer and ATF agent both get arrested for this man. That just huge, huge. Okay. We got a couple um, things over here uh, on the um, dollar sign, Uncle Turtle Boy on Cash App, if you want to do it that way. Um, MGK sends $20 and says, what the fuck up is it with the dog records and who's Scanlon? So Scanlon, uh, Pat Scanlon, I think his name is Patrick. I forget his first name. Scanlon is a guy who I who I, I spoke to on the phone uh, after I hinted that he should contact me, and uh, I became well aware. Hold on. Basically, the guy uh, go. Uh, he says he knows shit. I'll put it that way. He says he knows shit. He says that uh, he he told me when I spoke with him that he voluntarily reached out to attorney David Yanetti on his own shortly after Cameron Reed was arrested. 
and told him a lot of shit. Now, Scanlon was not in the house that night, like 1000%, not even close to being in the house that night. And he denies saying what rumor says that he said. He denies saying that he told the rumor is that he is the initial whistleblower on this. He is now a private investigator, right? And I think he worked with police for many years. We got a lot of pictures of him with Brian Albert. And the rumor is that he um, was the initial whistleblower about this, that he went to David Yanetti and said, look it, Karen didn't do this. I know it because he was, he was in that house and they beat the shit out of him. Now he was not a witness to this. So anything he's hearing must be secondhand, which means he heard it from someone in the house that someone in the house told him that. Obviously Brian Albert, cause he was snitching on Brian Albert. He was, and some people believe it was Higgins. So again, Higgins, I'm telling you, man, if you haven't, if you don't think that they've figured that out and that they're putting that they're getting that you are the fall guy, my dude, get out while you can trust me, get out while you can. So, uh, I wouldn't call him a hero at all though, because when I talked to him, more like a kind of like a coward, like that's what I, he's a, he seemed like a nice enough guy, but he just wanted to involve him now. He, cause he denied it to me. He's like, no, no, no. I never said that. I never said that. Really? You never said that. So then riddle me this, Mr. Scanlon. Why did you go to David Yanetti at all? If you did, if you had nothing to offer David Yanetti, then why are you calling him? I believe you even said, you, I don't know if you said he met with him, but why are you even reaching out to David Yanetti? I, the, uh, why would you reach out to her attorney if you didn't have some sort of information to offer him just to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Scanlon. I know a guy who knows a guy and I want to talk to you about something that I don't know that I find that impossible to believe. And I heard that the guy just like lucky Lofrin, was initially saying one thing, but then people heard that he was saying things and then he stopped saying things because that's what lucky Lawfren did that dude was telling anybody and their mother that he he plowed 34 ferry road that night multiple times he said and then push comes to shove he don't want to talk about it anymore he said he doesn't want to talk about it anymore never heard back from the canton dbw by the way never heard back from them um and so it seemed like you got to be careful in this. There's a lot of people who just want to get involved. There's a lot of people, like, I can't tell you how many bad leads I've had on this. People that just want to tell me their theory. Uh, I don't want to hear the theories, guys. I love you all. But like, I get a lot of messages every day. And if I get another one about like, here's what I think happened, Turtle Boy. It's like, okay, cool. You can keep that to yourself. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not interested in your theories. You have your theories, I'll have mine. And, and that's that. And we can talk about it on the show, but you know, if for the DMS message me, if you got something concrete, you know, not really interested in the theories. Thank you very much. Um, but, um, I just think that Scanlon, like he definitely wanted to insert himself into this, but it sounds like, I just don't think he wanted to go very far. I think he enjoyed being the guy 
who is like the behind the scenes whistleblower that because I think he knows something. And I think that the only reason to go to David Yannetti is if you know something. And what I think happened was after a while, like he was people heard that he knew something. And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm not talking to this guy anymore. And one thing I know he wouldn't do just from talking to him on the phone is testify. Like that guy is not testifying. There's no fucking way he's getting on a stand and testifying against his old friend, Brian Albert. There's no fucking way this guy's doing that. So that's just what I think. But to the Pat Scanlins and the lucky law friends of the world, it's like, dude, you got to do the right thing. sometime, man, it's cowardly. If you know something, you got to talk. You got to talk. I know you'll probably want to talk a lot when they finally get arrested. And then you'd be like, fuck this. Now I'll jump on the bandwagon and this guy can go to go to hell. Do it now. You know, have some courage. That's what I would agree for you to do. Steven Scanlon. I apologize. This is Patrick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's just my my thoughts on that. Um, cops will get people to rescind. Uh, let's see. What are people saying? <laughs> Carrie, you're funny. Um, all right. So, oh, yeah, I was reading a turtle chat, wasn't I, when I said that? So it says, um, okay, so there's that. Uh, Daniel sends $25, says, everyone donate. Thank you for the live show, Unk. You're very welcome, Daniel. I appreciate that. Chris Keating sends $5 and says, for the reminder, the first to talk gets the deal. It's so true. So true. First to talk. And it Higgins, it has to be you, dude. Like It ain't going to be them. They ain't going to talk. So it's got to be you. You just got to burn that friendship, man. Friendships are, they are what they are. You know, that, that's one thing I've realized about friendships is like friendships do come and go. I've got a couple lifelong friendships, um, but even people who I thought were like my best friends, you know, 10, 15 years ago, so you just lose touch. You hardly see him. You know, friendships are what they are. Family is forever. So just under, that's what they're thinking with you. It doesn't matter how close you are with Brian Albert. You are not long-term in his plans and he should not be in yours. Just, just know that. Just know that. So again, if anyone else wants to donate, um, you can uh, do the, click at the link at the top for turtle chat, donate whatever money you, money you want. And I'll read your message out loud to the class, or you can send it to uncle dollar sign, uncle turtle boy on cash app. Okay. So, Oh, we got another one here from, Chris sends $25 for Vegas and the over. Let's fucking go. I see it was like six to one. I can't believe Bruce Cassidy is going to win a Stanley Cup. It's such a kick in the balls, but hey, they deserve it. They deserve it. Oakley Doakley. So let me uh, bring my other thing up here. Okay. So I brought, I, I found a couple more things that I think we should talk about too. About from the morning, from 6 a.m. till around noon, and everything that happened there. So, we know at this point, right, that Jeff goes to the house with Kerry Roberts and Karen Reed in Kerry Roberts' vehicle. So, that means her car's not there, right? But Matt McCabe is at the house later. So that means, and how do we know Matt McCabe was at the house later? Well, simple. We got this picture. 
There it is. That is their Tahoe in the driveway at around 9 a.m. on the day that John O'Keefe uh, was found dead on that property. And how did it get there? The only person who could have driven it, obviously, was, was Matt McCabe. So Matt McCabe drove over there. Remember that. All right. So let's read some things here. Hmm. Do I have it here? Okay. I want to see. Okay. Here. All right. Let's start with this. So first thing we have here, it says, let me make this bigger. This is from trooper Nicholas Guarino, the guy who did the cell phone extraction of John O'Keefe and Jennifer McCabe's phone and somehow missed how long to die in cold. That guy. On Saturday, January 29th, 2022, trooper Michael Proctor and Sergeant Bukaki of the Norfolk District Attorney's Office responded to the unattended death of John O'Keefe at 34 Fairview Road in Canton. Through his investigation, it was found that O'Keefe was a victim of a motor vehicle homicide. That was quick. While on scene, Trooper Proctor secured O'Keefe's cell phone and brought it to the Norfolk County DA's office for forensic analysis. So we know now, this is before, I believe, the Canton Police have, or right around the time the Canton Police handed off the case to the state police. He's already got the phone. He's already got John O'Keefe's phone. Now, remember that because let's look at here. This is John O'Keefe's Apple data, Apple Health data. And on the left here, it says floors descended or ascended. And this is all from Rick Green's data extraction of the phone. And we see on John O'Keefe's phone that it went up and down three flights of stairs at 12.22 a.m. to 12.24 a.m. That would mean that he's inside the house, of course. And that would seem to indicate that he was in the basement at some point. And that is likely where they beat the shit out of him and knocked him unconscious. So, but of course we know that John is found dead at 6.04 a.m. And we know that Trooper Proctor is the one who took his phone. Now, the state police did not take over this case until, I believe, John died. John is pronounced dead at, I believe, 7.53 a.m. So why is Trooper Proctor even the one taking the phone? That was still a Canton Police Department investigation at that time. But of course, the Canton Police Department were fucking it up as far as Trooper Proctor was concerned because they didn't find any taillight. They're like, oh, you motherfuckers, you forgot to sprinkle the taillights. Oops, got to Shawshank that. Um, and it's, so it says here now that the phone, which Trooper Proctor has at 6.43 a.m. goes up one flight of stairs. It then shows that it uh, either ascends or descends a flight of stairs at 7.58 a.m. 
and again at 8.26 a.m. All of this is taking place at 34 Fairview Road. That means Trooper Proctor has John O'Keefe's cell phone in his pocket. We know that from their own report that he took the phone and now the phone, which stopped moving when John stopped moving, is going up and down flights of stairs. So what does that mean? It means he's in the house. It means Trooper Proctor, we can now put him inside 34 Fairview Road that morning. He is inside the house. We also know that inside that house are Jennifer McCabe, Matt McCabe, who drove over there at some point, Brian Albert, and Nicole Albert. They are all in a house where a murder was committed. And we got we now have proof that Proctor is going up and down stairs. Why is he going up and down stairs? What do you think they're giving him the tour? No. No, of course not. They are likely showing him the fucking mess on their hands and the problem that they have. Like, look at all this fucking blood. What are we going to do about this? Trooper Proctor was an active participant in this. He might not have been there when John O'Keefe was killed, but it was very clear based on this Apple Health data that Trooper Proctor was inside 34 Fairview Road on the morning that John O'Keefe was found dead. He was ascending and descending stairs, which he would not be able to do if he was not inside of a house. Haven't, haven't noticed that before. It's funny. You just notice random shit going through. Oh, look at this one. I forgot. I didn't even notice that. Well, that's interesting. Someone should probably point that out. Again, while on scene, Trooper Proctor secured O'Keefe's cell phone. So he's got it the whole fucking time. What else do we got here? Okay. So now this is... Um, I want to see all of Jen McCabe's movements that day. Okay. So this is Jen McCabe's cell phone data extraction, according to Rick Green. And again, Adam Lally's response to all this is none of this is real. It's all a mistake. They're wrong. Like that's literally all he says is they're wrong. So I guess none of this really matters to Adam Lally because he's just going to say it's wrong. And then if you want to have, I don't know, an evidentiary hearing where you hear from the expert that wrote this report, he's just going to cancel it. So I guess that's that's their plan. I mean, it's like the shaggy approach. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Just just say the most ridiculous, silly answer, respond to this, and just be like, I don't know, just play stupid. And hope hope it goes away. So this is what Jen McCabe did. That This is her data. Uh, at 12 o'clock, she is in the proximity of the waterfall, waterfall Bar and Grill. At 12.13, accuracy improves significantly and indicates that she is leaving the waterfall. At 12.18 and 25 seconds, she arrives at the Albert residence at 34 Fairview Road. John O'Keefe gets there about a minute or two later. At 1.47 a.m., accuracy improves significantly and indicates that she is leaving Fairview Road. 
So she leaves at 1.47 a.m., which contradicts what Nicole Albert previously said, that all parties had left by 1 a.m. So she is leaving at 1.47 a.m. At 2.03 a.m., she makes a right turn onto Lawrence Street. This is the turn before Pleasant Street, which intersects with John O'Keefe's residence. Let me show you where this is, because I looked at the map of this. Lawrence Street in Canton. I'll bring this map up over here. Okay. Oh, um, this is the center of Canton where the library is. This is Meadows Ave right over here. So Jennifer McCabe left 34 Fearview Road, which is right over here. Right here, rather. She went down here uh, to drop. She's got Julie Nagel and Sarah Levinson with her. And she's like, I'll drop you off in the middle of a snowstorm. And goes to Sherman, past the Canton MBTA station. And then, let's see. Does Janet, what does this text say? We'll see. Um, and so, yeah, here they are, Canton. And then she comes over here to Sherman Street. And then here's Lawrence. Okay. Now, John lives right here in Meadows. So... She's going down this way, and this street connects. You can go by Meadows. She wants to go by. Is this working? I don't even see it working. Hold on. I'm I'm having some computer issues here. Hopefully it figures itself out. Hold on. Okay, it looks like we're back. Okay. All right, we're good. All right, so yeah, basically what they're doing here is they are making sure they're going to go by John O'Keefe's house to see if there's a light on, to see if Karen Reed is awake. Is Karen Reed wondering when John is going to come home? Are they worried about this happening right now? Like, what what is she doing? So that's why she's driving. Like, why do you think she volunteered to bring? I'll bring. Oh, you guys live over there. We'll definitely bring you home for sure, for sure. It's completely out of our way, but we'd love to do it. We'd love to give you guys a ride home. It is glitchy tonight. My bad. Okay, so at two o four. Uh, on Leonard Way, her course is reversed. At 2.12, she arrives back at her home on 12 Country Lane in on her street, whatever. At 12 Country Lane, she does, at 2.27, she does the how long to die in cold thing. Then she gets the call at 4.53 a.m. from Karen Reed, and she then leaves 12 Country Lane at 5.39 drives to John O'Keefe's residence at 5:46. She gets there. 
she meets up with Kerry Roberts at that point. They get in Kerry Roberts' car, and they leave Meadows Ave at 5.52. They go back towards the Waterfall Bar and Grill, don't see him there, and head to Fairview Road, where at 6.03 a.m., they arrive there, and they find the unthinkable. Now, she leaves 34 Fairview Road at 11.16 and arrives at 11.22. So that's interesting, because remember this picture. Nine o'clock, that picture is taken. They are there. They're all, Matt McCabe, Jen McCabe, Nicole Albert, and Brian Albert are all inside that house, with Michael Proctor is also inside that house. We know he's ascending and descending stairs inside that house because he has John O'Keefe's cell phone in his goddamn pocket. And that's a good question, Victoria. Why was she there until 11 a.m.? Well, they all go back to the McCabe house at 11.22 or whatever to do an interview with Trooper Proctor. But question, riddle me this, Batman. Why didn't Trooper Proctor interview them in the home that they were all at already? We know that Proctor's in that house. We know that everyone he wants to interview is in that house. Karen at 11 a.m. was in the hospital. I believe she was involuntarily sectioned for a period of time. And we like, so why didn't Proctor just interview them in the house? It is snowing balls outside. So why would the four of them and Proctor say, you know what, we we need to do an interview here? For some reason, we've be, I've been in this house for four hours at this point, and I haven't conducted an interview. I don't know what the fuck I'm. We're just playing chess and catching up. Even though I don't know any of you people, I had a I had a formal introduction to. Remember, he says he was formally introduced to Brian Albert on February third. He had formal introductions. But yet he's in Brian Albert's house on January 29th from at least 7 a.m. to almost 11.30 a.m. What are they doing in there? What is that? What are they doing? If if you're not interviewing them, what are you? You're not, you're not friends with them, right? So what are you doing in there with them, Michael Proctor? What is going on in, inside 34 Fairview Road from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. Maybe somebody should ask him that. Maybe they would if they didn't have such a boner for Karen Reed. Maybe. No, they couldn't have been formally introducing themselves for four hours because they were formally introduced five days later. So that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this is how retarded this shit is. So again... This is uh, McCabe's timeline. Now look at John's cell phone. Let's, where's John's cell phone? Let's see it. Uh, here's John's cell phone. What time does John's cell phone leave? What time does it move again? Oh, right. 11.19 a.m. What time do they leave Fairview? Right around that time. So the phone starts moving again because <laughs> it's in Michael Proctor's pocket. And he goes over there for the friends and family meeting with all four of them. 
and then that's it. Now Proctor again interviews her five days later, and it's just like this is fucking crazy when you look at all this shit. Remember, after being invited into the home by Nicole and her husband Brian, Trooper Proctor and I formally introduced ourselves. <laughs> this is on February 3rd. February 3rd, he puts that in his goddamn report. Oh. Uh. Sergeant Buchanan and I, this is on January 29th. Sergeant Buchanan and I, uh, uh, at approximately 6.04, the Canton Police Department got the 911 call for John O'Keefe, blah, blah, blah. They respond, unresponsive, CPR in progress, Canton EMS transports him to the Good Samaritan Hospital where he's determined deceased. At the Waterfall Bar on Friday night, January 28th, at the Fairview Road, Matt McCabe uh, was Matt McCabe. Sergeant Buchanan and I arrived at Matthew's residence and agreed to speak with investigators. So this is after they leave there. Why would they arrive at Matthew McCabe's house when they are already with him at 34 Fairview Road? What better place to interview him? If, if they're not considering the inside of 34 Fairview Road to be a crime scene, then why not just interview him inside? Of course, the answer to that is it's awkward as fucking there. <laughs> like, cause there's because of all the blood that they hadn't gotten rid of yet. So yeah. Uh, am I missing anything else here? Um yeah, I think we've hit all of these major points that I found interesting in these write-ups. Again, these are all court docs. Yeah. So he did interview him on, he did interview Brian on January 29th. But I also believe, so was that just Nicole that he interviewed on the third? Okay. Yeah. So he'd already met them. Either way, it's fucking like, dude, I, I have to go review this all. Like, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Um, so people, I, I'm curious to read this now. Let's bring up Jennifer's call log. You can have a lot of fun looking at Jennifer McCabe's call log. And I think we need to do that again. So let me go bring this up. There's so many goddamn motions here. Okay. Um, this would be in April around this time. Uh, this would be affidavit about affidavit of, of Richard Green in defendant's motion for order pursuant. Okay. This one, this is the one. I still don't know what Rick Green even looks like. He's like Santa Claus to me. I've heard all about him. I'd like to hear about his expertise in this, but again, evidentiary hearings keep getting canceled. So let's go over this. Jen's cell phone, because this is what I had written down previously. That according to cell phone extraction, there were uh, recoverable phone calls from January 29th that were exchanged on that day. She called Brian Albert seven times. She called Coco 10 times. She called Matt five times. She called Julie Albert twice. She called Carrie Roberts, who she didn't know at all, 15 times. 
She called Michael Proctor three times. She called Sergeant Lank, who wasn't working, but welcomed himself into the house anyway, once. And she allegedly called Berkowitz, too. So she had 44 calls total. I added this up. That the defense alleges were to co-conspirators in this case which is just wild when you think about how many times what these people were doing on that morning. Let me zoom in. here. So this is uh, how many pages is this? 37 fucking pages analysis of her cell phone, the search history. So again, this explains in my professional experience analysis of the devices, internet search history often gives valuable clues as to the user's intent or knowledge surrounding an incident. I conducted, conducted a review of the search history obtained from her phone and observed the following significant artifact from the morning in question. Search term, Hoss Long to Die in Cold. Date and time, 2.27 and 40 seconds a.m. URL, right there. Uh, used from a Safari suspended state tab, and it was deleted as reported by Celebrate. Interesting. In order to confirm the accuracy, I independently performed a low-level analysis of the artifact. And again, this is a completely neutral, unbiased expert. He does not work for the defense. He was paid by the defense, I'm sure, to do this because he doesn't work for free. But he is going to report to them whatever the fuck he finds. In order to confirm the accuracy, I independently performed a low-level analysis of the artifact found in USF-01, which was, I don't know what any of this means, which was located in browserstate.db.wal, uh, write-ahead file. Write-ahead files are temporary in nature and show the location where data is written before commitments to the main database are made. The particulars of this artifact are as follows. Okay, so I guess that just means he's showing us in nerd talk here how much he confirmed this all. And I'm sure he could explain this in a court of law better than I could. So the Celebrate data analysis further reveals that she did that search. Like it's undeniable. I also performed, let's see, how about this? The browser uh, data set contains information about the open tabs in the Safari application. This allows a user to to leave the application and then return a later time to resume the browser session. The individual tabs can be deleted by the user. Here, Celebrate indicates that the 2.27 a.m. search for how long the iron cold was deleted by the user. I also performed a timeline validation of that search by confirming that the device was in use at the time of the search. The following artifacts support that the user was interacting with the phone during this time period. It was unlocked between 2.23 and 2.31. Text messages were sent at 2.25 and 2.25 later on. Two screenshots were deleted at 2.26. The search was entered at 2.27. Thus, the data unequivocally establishes that an individual using her cell phone searched for that at 2.27. A further review of searched artifacts revealed that the user's phone conducted several similar searches later on the morning. A true and correct copy of these searches include the following. How long tie die and kicked and hoss long to die and cold again. 
which she, of course, blamed on Karen Reed. Karen Reed told me to do it. That dastardly Karen Reed. Well, did she tell you to do it at 227? No, she didn't. And I highly doubt Karen Reed told her, Jen, Google this for me. Picture her doing that. Oh, my God, he found his body. Jen, you better ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves how long to die on cold. Because we need to, this is what I'm, that, that's what a person in, in, in crisis would be saying. Sure thing. Sure thing. Um, I was able to locate an additional ad of artifact and indicates that the user also conducted the following search at 6.23 a.m. How long does it take to digest food? Of course, that was after their body was found. She also, also conducted a uh, forensic analysis of the call log history. Remember, she deleted a lot of calls. Importantly, deleted information is not always recoverable. The call log artifacts were examined using Celebrate's physical analyzer. Further analysis was performed with the Axiom Forensics, both of which suggest that there were significant deletions by Jennifer McCabe. Uh, only FaceTime call data is recorded between October and January 27th. On January 28th, no call log data is found in the call history. Uh, there are 18 deleted call entries between 5.33 a.m. and 8.50 a.m. That is the only time that Jennifer deleted anything. She didn't delete any other calls just during the most critical times. Interesting. The 6.07 and 6.08 calls to Nicole Albert are deleted. The 6.23 a.m. call to Uncle Brian A. is deleted. So that's all interesting. All that's just deleted. There were additional deletions which were not recovered from her phone using Celebrate by cross-referencing the deleted call entries from her cell phone with data obtained from John O'Keefe's and Karen Reed's phones. There are seven calls, 17 calls. Listed on O'Keefe's referencing Jennifer McCabe, her cell phone number uh, attached here too. Only one of these calls is found in the Jen McCabe iPhone call history. There are eight calls listed on Karen Reed's phone call log referencing Jennifer McCabe's cell phone number. 781-858-0142. If you'd like to ask or how long it takes to die in cold, that would be the number to call. Of these eight calls, only two were found in the Jen McCabe iPhone. I was able to determine that a certain call history and data was missing from her phone, which could not be recovered using Celebrate in order to obtain a complete accounting of the calls that could not be recovered using Celebrate. I will need to obtain call detail records from Jennifer McCabe's cell phone carrier and cross-reference reference that information with the data obtained from the analysis of her cell phone. It may lead to the discovery of additional devices that should be preserved and analyzed. Acquisition and preservation should include potential backup sources, such as computers and cloud storage platforms, as well as synced devices, such as tablets. So, the deleted screenshot. So a screenshot of a contact saved as Uncle Brian A. described as home three with the associated phone number 617-777-0888. How is that real? Was found to have been created at 6.08 a.m. 
So she takes she takes a screenshot at 6:08 a.m. immediately after of Brian Albert's cell phone number immediately after she called Coco Albert. Why would you ever take a screenshot of a cell phone number like that unless you were planning on sharing? And I've done that before when somebody's like, "Hey, what's this person's number?" I'm just like, okay, here's a screenshot. Boom, send it to you. You, you type it in because <laughs> people are lazy. We just don't like to do that. Like, here's a screenshot. You type in the number. There you go. I'm not even pressing copy and paste. I'm just going to send you a screenshot because it's easier. Uh, but in this case, uh, a true and uh, who did she send that to? We don't know. Probably Proctor. So his brother-in-law is Brian Albert whose phone number is confirmed to be that. In an effort to determine the whereabouts of Jennifer McCabe's phone on January 29th, again, location data was exported into the Cellhawk application. So again, this all proves where Jennifer's phone was. We looked at all this stuff. Okay. And where she, her health data. They obtained her uh, from the health application on Jen McCabe's iPhone indicates that her device was connected to an Apple watch, which enhances the accuracy of the health data recorded and provides for a greater amount of detail. A true copy of the data report from the health application on her phone, which was recorded, blah, 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 is attached. So John O'Keefe's cell phone. So we know that from 1211 to 1221 AM, he took 170 steps which is almost 100 meters. So that would be, remember, 1221, he gets there. So that would be uh, 1211, he leaves the waterfall bar. So this would, all of these steps in this 10-minute period, totaling about 100 meters, would be him walking out the front door of the waterfall bar to Karen Reed's car and then walking into... 34 Fairview Road, which by my estimation is probably not even 20 meters, like less than that, maybe 15, almost 20 meters. So that would make perfect sense. 1221, he's going up and down steps in the house, ascending and descending flights of stairs. Then 25 meters, the phone moves from 1231 to 1232, 20 seconds. Now, 25 meters in 20 seconds. If you're going to do that, you're going to be running. Man, that's all it was, 20 seconds. Actually, no, you're not going to You could walk that. You could walk 20. Couldn't you walk that? You're going to be a brisk jog, which I would do if it was fucking snowing outside and I wanted to, again, take a phone and walk diagonally across the lawn and place that phone in the place where Karen Reed had just dropped John off. Dude, she missed this by minutes. Like, that's crazy. So, yeah, like, so, like that's what I mean. Someone's sprinting. Like, that is, I'd have to do the math on that. 25 meters in 20 seconds. I guess it's not that fast. People run the 200 meters in 20 seconds, but it's snowing and shit. That's when they put the phone out there. I think the phone was put out there well before the body was. 
because they didn't want that phone pinging in that house very long. Notably, although the time range is indicated above record total steps and elevation during the relevant time period, it's impossible to determine whether the steps taken or an elevation gain was recorded during the entirety of the bullet. I subsequently analyzed location data associated with O'Keefe's phone. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's all legitimate. Uh, it appears that the first location ping in the neighborhood near the Albert residence was at 12 19 a.m. This all perfectly aligns, right? They leave there right after Gemma Cabe. Gemma Cabe's phone shows her getting there at 12 18. His shows them getting there at 12 19. It all makes sense. Location data indicates that O'Keefe arrived at the Alba residence at 12 24 a.m. Conclusion. Well, that part confuses me because it says he was ascending and descending stairs between 1221 and 1224. So I don't know where the hell any of this shit means. But anyway, uh, it says they, they got near the Alba residence at 1219, but location data indicates that he arrived there. Maybe it needs time to recalibrate. I don't know how the fuck that works. But he's in the house because he's ascending and descending stairs. Um, cell phone carriers independently maintain call detail records, including call records, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Won't bore you with all this. I want to get to her phone calls. Jen's phone calls. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Here's the exhibits again. This is the full actual extraction report. Here it is. This is the official. This is what it looks like for how long to die in cold at 12 uh, 227 a.m. How long to die in cold? That's the official extraction report from her phone. Ah, it's fucking Fupa computer in again. Give me a sec. All right, we're good. What else we got here? Sorry, this computer's being really fucking horrible tonight. I got to We just X out of a couple windows here. I got too many freaking windows open. Get rid of this one. Is it me? Oh, here. Okay. So there. Here's Exhibit Two. This is um. What is this one? The other. How long to die in cold searches? Let me zoom out. I want to get to. The Gemma Cabe calls. I want to see all the people she calls today because you really got to see it. Come on. Exhibit four. Okay. This is the, okay. Here's all Jen's calls. So it starts with the deleted calls. Let me zoom in. Oh, Fupa computer. Killing me. All right. So 
Uh, as you can see here, she calls Tom Beatty at uh, what times? 533, 552, and 557. Uh, we believe that was to see whether or not she could get her story straight with that. At uh, Now, this is interesting. She is the one that calls 911 at 6.03.47 a.m. We have not heard this call yet. We have not heard this call yet. I would be very curious to hear this call. The 911 call always tells you a lot. Uh, because if, if the person sounds, like who sounds more authentic? Like that's what I want to hear. Does Karen Reed's screams sound real? Like she was just finding this guy and had no idea he was dead. That adds a lot to it. What's Jen McCabe's tone sound like? What's Jen McCabe's tone sound like? I don't know. So, back to this. Uh, at 6.07, so she talks to 911 for 3 minutes and 32 seconds. And then immediately hangs up and calls Nicole and talks for 9 seconds. Talks more like just says something. She then calls Nicole back a few seconds later and says it for seven seconds. She calls Brian Albert at 623. She calls Matt McCabe at 635. Say, Matt, how long did they talk for? 19 seconds. Get your ass over here. It's an outgoing call. Matt calls her. He she answers it. They speak for 18 seconds. Matt calls her. Again, she's like, fuck you, cuck. I'm with my boyfriend, Brian Albert. I'll call you back. And then she calls Karen. Not answered. At uh, 721. And she calls Karen. Karen calls her at 721, and they speak for two minutes. Carrie Roberts. Uh, and I think Karen, I believe, was, I don't know if she was on her way to the hospital with John at that point. Maybe she's saying, is John alive? I don't know. She calls Carrie Roberts, who she didn't know, apparently, and uh, speaks to her twice. Then she calls this number, the 781 number. I don't know who that belongs to. Uh, but she answers it, and they talk for 2 minutes and 45 seconds. Is that who I think it is? I'm just going to call it. I'm just going to ask him. Fuck it. Let's ask him. Who are you? Let's find out right now. Do some detective work here. Oh. It's the Canton Police. It's the Canton Police Department. So the Canton Police Department calls Jennifer McCabe at 8.38 a.m. She answers it. And they speak for two minutes and 45 seconds. Why the fuck is the Canton Police Department calling Jennifer McCabe? That's interesting. That's Canton Police. Okay. Like, weren't they there? Like, Is that Ken Berkowitz? That's what I want to know. 
who's on that line by by that point at 820 whatever i'd like to point out that at that point the state police had taken over the investigation because john has been pronounced dead at 838 at 845 846 she answers a call from carrie roberts they speak for four minutes she then misses a call from tom Beatty, who's probably like bitch why the fuck did you call me so early in the morning and she deletes all of those calls. Those are all the deleted calls. Now the ones she doesn't delete. Now, like, why would she stop deleting calls? Like, I'm going to delete all those, but not any of these fucking calls. Okay. 859. We got a phone number here. 339. Let's call that one. Let's see who this is. I'm just going to start calling. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. Let's dance. Let's find out who this is at 16. Let's see. It's an outgoing call. Did they answer? Yes, for 13 seconds. She doesn't have him plugged into the phone. Okay, who is it? Who do you guys think it is? Hi, this is award-winning journalist Aiden Carney calling. Uh, looking for who this is, I noticed that you are on Jennifer McCabe's call log and that she contacted you, called you at uh, 8.59 a.m. on the day that John O'Keefe was found dead outside before Fairview Road. She called you from inside Fairview Road, mind you, and she spoke with you for 13 seconds. Uh, you should be flattered because you're actually the first phone call that she did not delete from her entries. So I'm wondering who you are and why she called you at that point and what you guys talked about. So give me a call back when you get this. Bye. Okay. Uh, that's your guess is as good as mine about who that is. Okay. Next she calls after that. 859. She hangs up and calls. Uh, Carrie Roberts calls her. They chat for five, five minutes and 28 seconds. Then she calls Carrie Roberts again. They talk for two seconds. Then again for 144. Then again for 127. Then they chat for 15 minutes at 1040 a.m. Now we know at this point, Jennifer McCabe is still inside 34 Fairview Road. Still inside. Then she gets a call at 10.55 from someone who she speaks to for one minute and 18 seconds and it's incoming. She's still in the house. So I guess you know what we need to do. Let's give this person a call. Find out who the hell this is. They're not in her phone. Your guess is as good as mine. It's Proctor. It's Proctor. It's fucking Proctor. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hi, Trooper Proctor. This is award-winning journalist Aiden Carney calling. 
Uh, I'm calling to talk to you. I do have some questions about you. I have a lot of questions, actually. Uh, for starters, why didn't you tell anyone before doing the investigation that you were good friends with the Albert family? Why did you, in your report, say that you were introduced to Chris Albert on February 10th when you had known him for more than a decade prior to that? Why did you lie about what time you towed Karen Reed's car? Why did you intentionally misspell the names of several key witnesses in your report? And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering, uh, about all of those things. And maybe you and I can meet up for coffee because boy, do I have a lot of questions for you. Uh, what, when you were inside Fairview Road that night, uh, that morning rather, why did you stay there for four and a half hours and what'd you guys talk about and do? And why were you descending stairs with John O'Keefe's phone in your pocket? So give me a call back, man. I feel like you and I have a lot of catching up to do. We, I talk about you a lot. I feel like I know you pretty well at this point. I know which year you graduated from the academy. I know you were out in West Brookfield for a while. I know some people that you know. So give me a call back when you get this. Now that I have your number and everybody watching also has your phone number, which again is 781-364-0165. So I'd like to know. Oh, looks like oh, she called you again. You called her at 1249. And we're gonna get to that. So now that I have your number, I'm gonna plug you in and we'll talk soon. Bye. Now, this is fascinating, folks. This is fascinating. Okay. So that is Michael Proctor's phone number. Oh, I hope he tries to get an order on me. I goddamn hope he does. So now that you all have Michael Proctor's phone number, you can call him too if you want. If you want, I mean, I'm not, if you have a question, he's a public official. And so I think it's interesting here. And by the way, I'm told that the 339 number is Sergeant Link at 859. The other guy from Canton PD who likes to bail out Albert family members when they're in, in a bind and was inside the house that morning probably knew something that's going on too. So this was, and by the way, Lank, I believe was the one that discovered Sandra Birchmore's body and immediately determined that that was a suicide. She was not killed by Matthew Farwell, who there's video of him leaving her apartment shortly after that. So, and it's interesting here that Lank and Proctor are not plugged into her phone as uh, is contacts. They're not contacts. So my question is, how'd you get their phone numbers? How did you get, that was Michael Proctor's personal cell phone number that we just called. How did she get that? How did she, did it call her? Did she call it? It's an incoming call. He called her. He called her. Why is he calling her? If they're in the house together, it's weird. Now they leave there at 11, I think 17 or so. And they go back to country lane. At that point, she gets a call from Brian Albert that lasts one minute and 31 seconds. Then an outgoing call to Brian Albert at 1220, the last seven minutes and 53 seconds. I think this is after the, friends and family. This call right here is probably like, get your ass over here. Um, Proctor's going to 
quote unquote interview us and we're going to giggle about it or whatever. And then at 1220, we're going to talk. She calls her again. She's like, can you believe we got away with this shit? This is crazy. They talk for seven minutes. Then Carrie Roberts calls. <laughs> uh, she ignores her and then calls her right back. They chat for seven more minutes. And then she called Proctor calls her again. At 1249, this is not in his report that he's calling this woman and speaking to her for one minute and nine seconds. Then she has an outgoing call to Ashley Bella mom. I don't know who, who she talks to them for 1243 seconds. Fuck it. I don't care. We're calling it. I don't care who this is. We're just calling them. Let's go. Ashley Bella mom. We need answers. I'm sick of this cover up shit. Help us out. Okay. Trying to solve a murder mystery here. Although it's not that much of a mystery. Two, six, seven. Nine, seven, eight, four. Right in answer. Okay. Call it. Please leave your message for seven, eight, one, two, six. Nah, I don't know who Ashley Bella's mom is. Okay. So they briefly talk. Julie Albert calls her. She rejects it. Ooh, ouch. Then Brian Albert calls her and she answers it. She answers Brian, but not her own sister for four minutes and 37 seconds. And then there's this number. Have I seen this one? 781-364-0165. Oh, that's Proctor again. Proctor again. She calls Proctor. They speak for one minute and 42 seconds. Then she call. Then she ignores Ashley Bella's mom. Then she talks to Tom Beatty. Figure out what he knows at one thirty-one. Oh, and then look who she calls. At oh my fucking god, this cunt! Oh my god, this cunt! Look at who she calls at one thirty-four and speaks to for seven minutes and eighteen seconds. Peggy O'Keefe. Peggy O'Keefe. Oh, Ashley Bellamont. That's Ashley Brady. That's my friend, Ashley Brady, who admitted that she got snuck out of the courthouse by the state police to hide from me on May 3rd. That ugly, disgusting bitch. Oh, I hate her so much. Anyway, Kelly M., what is this yes thing? What is that? The first yes I've seen. Video. Oh, she has a FaceTime with Kelly M. Whoever Kelly M is. And by the way, the Peggy O'Keefe thing. I didn't even talk about that. Why is she calling John O'Keefe's mom? I'll tell you why she's calling John O'Keefe's mom. Because she wants to See, like smooth rush. She's already working her. How the hell do you even know John O'Keefe's mom? You guys are friends. Like, hey, woman whose son just died. Hey, I just want to find out everything you know. Are you? This is her getting, like, finding out whether or not this person's cool. Like, whether or not what what side do you want, Peggy? They are already laying the seeds. Oh, did you hear what Karen Reed said? And by the way, she called, he, she called 
Proctor back. It says in one of these reports. And told, like she forgot to tell him that, oh yeah, Karen Reed was saying all this crazy shit in the car. About it, okay. About like, did I hit him? Whatever. Okay, so then she calls Brian back at 146, talks for six minutes, calls Julie Albert back, or Julie calls her, they talk for three minutes, calls Kelly M. She gets an incoming call from Kelly M that she misses a FaceTime. Who the hell is Kelly M? Let's find out right now. Call Kelly Emma. Six one seven. All these fucking numbers are screwing me up. Eight seven two. Me too. Okay. Let's see who Kelly M is. Come on. I can't believe we have Proctor's cell phone number. That's awesome. Let me know if they're static. What? Yes, uh, we're live to tape. Is this Kelly M? Hello? Hi, Sai. We're live to tape. This is Eden Carney calling. How are you doing? I don't want to be live to tape. Oh, we are live to tape. But um, is there a reason Jennifer called you? Are you called Jennifer McCabe uh, on the day that John O'Keefe was found dead? I don't know that that was me. Oh, that wasn't you? I'm not your enemy here. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I, I'm not involved in this. In any way, I know what's going on, but I just, I'm not looking to be anyone's enemy here. Okay. I just have no comment. Live to tape to you. I, please. Okay. I'll leave you alone then. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Bye. Well, that was interesting. See, I didn't want to bother her. Who the hell is Kelly M? She sounds like she's like, I don't want any problem. Like that makes me think she's not on their side. Whoever Kelly M is. That's why I didn't pester her. I'm like, she sounds genuinely scared and like, doesn't want anything to do with this. I don't know. What do you guys think? She said, she, yeah, I feel like I could talk to her privately. Now I know. Now I want to know who the hell Kelly M is. Because she FaceTimed Gemma Cave and she's aware that this happened. Well, that's fucking crazy. I'll have to send her a text tomorrow. Apologize. So anyway, we got Carrie Roberts. Uh, they talked for another 11 minutes. All these hens did was cluck on the phone all day. Uncle Brian, again, calls her at 435. They talk. Nicole and her talk a couple more, 22 minutes, her and Nicole talk. Who the hell's Karina calls her? Karina calls her at, gets a missed call at three o'clock. So they don't talk. So I don't really want to bother with that. Carrie Roberts, again, they talk for God. Oh, no, she did five seconds. Then Nicole, she talks to at 340. Did all this bitch do is talk all day? 
she didn't sleep the night before. She never went to bed. Third Church retired. And then her and Kerry Roberts talked for 34 minutes. Holy shit. This is what you did all day? Dude, look at these. Okay. Then who else we got here? We got um another incoming call from this 866 number, which she doesn't answer, so we won't bother with it. Then we got Coco calling. They talk for nine minutes. Ashley Brady, miss call. Matt McCabe. Oh, we've never called Matt, have we? We got to call Matt. No, he's my pal. Let's call Matt up. He's got a 508 number. Wait, Matt McCabe has two phones? Oh, he's got two phones. She called his, she called his burner. She calls the first one and he, at, at 508 PM, he doesn't answer. And then she calls the burner and he answers for three seconds. All right, we're calling, we're calling the burner one first. Call this 508 591 8230. Thank you for calling Elevate Technology Solutions. Oh. If you know your part is extension, please dial it now. For the company directory, please press 2. If you would like to speak, oh, so this is so she called him at work at 508, and then she called him. I'm guessing this is his personal number 781 nine eight three five let's call that one i feel bad for kelly m dude look at all these calls we only have a couple more here come on matt answer Yo, Big Mac, what's up? It's your buddy Turtle Boy. We saw a few days ago at the game. Uh, no hard feelings. Things were a little awkward there, but I had to leave in a hurry because my presence there made you guys feel uncomfortable. I would say I'm sorry about that, but I'm not sorry at all. So if you could give me a call back and we could talk about this. I believe last time we spoke, uh, you mentioned uh, that that the there was reporters or journalists who had disproven the Google search. And it's weird because I'm looking at a data extraction report here that doesn't seem to indicate that. So I was hoping you could get me in touch with the journalist who told you that. Um, but I'm guessing you're like at the gym or something right now because you look like you're in great shape. So give me a call back when you get this and we'll talk. Bye. Big Mac. Okay. All right. Back to this. Um, who else we got here? So it calls Ashley Bell, Ashley Brady again. They talk for five minutes. Then Brian calls her. They talk for a minute. And then Carrie Roberts, she calls and they talk for eight fucking minutes. Dude, these bitches didn't get off the phone. 
Oh my God, they didn't shut up all day. And Coco calls. They talk for 21 minutes. Have we ever called Coco? Let's call her. She might be a weak link. 781 571. No, it's not it. Hold on. These numbers are so freaking small. 781 858. 0204. Okay, let's call her. Hi, Nicole. This is uh, Aiden Carney calling, award-winning journalist from Turtle Boy Daily News. Calling just to see. We saw your car in Norwood today. We had somebody run the plates, and we found out that it was your car at 909 Washington Street in Norwood. Uh, we just want to know um, a little bit about, uh, I was reading some reports from uh, the very honorable trooper Michael Proctor in which he specifically states that you claim that you never saw John O'Keefe come in the house that night. And since we know that he was, I'm kind of wondering why are you lying about this? I mean, are you worried about going to jail? Uh, once this is all found to be true, are you going to turn on your husband? Have you looked into divorce? What are you going to do with the assets? Just give me a call back and we can chat and we can talk about your crazy horse face sister too. Uh, and, uh, cause you've kind of been left out of the story and I feel bad. So give me a call back when you get this. Bye. And then finally, Maureen D calls her and they speak for 23 minutes and 21 seconds. Who the hell is Maureen D? And she has a 917 number. I don't even know what area code that is. So let's just call Maureen D and see what they talked about. Shall we? The New York number. Please Maureen message. Durvin? At the tone, please record your message. Maureen Durvin? Who's Maureen Durvin? Hi, Maureen. My name is Eden Carney. I'm an award-winning journalist at a publication called Turtle Boy Daily News. Uh, the reason we're calling for you is uh, calling you is that we noticed that you called Jennifer McCabe on the afternoon of July 22nd, 2022, the day that John O'Keefe was found dead. Uh, and, and murdered on the front lawn of 34 Fairview Road in Canton, Massachusetts. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but I did notice that you and 
Jennifer spoke for 22 minutes on that day. And I'm wondering what exactly you guys spoke about. Uh, were you, did she mention the fact that she was involved in a murder to you that day? Or was it just, you know, girl talk, small chat? I don't know. Uh, so give me a uh, give me a call back if you'd like. I'd, lo I'd love to hear back from you about the, the context of this phone call. And uh, you and I will talk soon, I'm sure. Have a great day. Bye. Okay. I said July. Did I say July? Did I say July? All these fucking names are screwing me up. Whatever. January, whatever. Same shit. It's late. Okay. And so, yeah, that's that. Uh, and so that's the Jennifer McCabe call log. And yeah, we knew, I, I just wanted to do that. I want to go through a whole phone and talk about that. So I'll probably do a, a report. I didn't do a Canton story today. Uh, so we are due for that. Uh, again, look at all these freaking calls from Jen McCabe, the 80142 uh, number there. Connor. And by the way, didn't Julie... Who's the one that said that she got a call from Gemma Cabe at 4.55? Oh, we, it's not on. The Rick Green shit starts after that. I feel like if Rick, if there was a call for that, Rick Green would have put that in the report. Was Julie Albert lying about that? Why would she lie about that? Okay. So, yeah, she talked to... Here she is. Remember, she calls John... She got there at 12.18 which is right at the time that John called her. They spoke for 36 seconds. That was again, them being like, yo, it's right here. Dumbass. Like come up. And then she calls him at 1229. Wait, she gets an incoming call from him at 1229. Yo, this psycho bitch took John's phone and called her. Right? Because it says answered. No, I apologize. It's an incoming call to John's phone that's answered. So she, oh, this fucking cunt. This crazy bitch called John's phone after he was knocked out unconscious. So they're already planning shit. She calls the phone at 1229 and then answers it for eight seconds to make it seem like she was like calling him to be like, where are you? And he's like, bitch, we're on the way that, Oh my God, that's devious. And then she calls him like a psychopath six times between 1240 and 1250 to be like, where are you? Like any adult would give a shit that much about any other adult. They'd be like, well, I guess he's not coming. And then she calls him a whole bunch of times to pretend like she gives a shit while they're looking for him. Sure thing. Sure thing. So, all right. Uh, let me read some turtle chats and then we'll call it a night, shall we? And then we do some Q&A if you'd like. She's a doctor in Southampton. Who the fuck is that? I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get a lot of messages. Feel free to... I'd like to learn more about Maureen D. I'm not saying Maureen D's in on this. She could be just totally old friend catching up or some shit. Who knows? And literally has no clue, which shows you what a psychopath Gemma Cabe is that she would just do something like, let's have a 22 minute conversation with some chick from New York. I feel so bad for Kelly M. I feel like she's completely innocent in this. 
She FaceTimed her too. Oh, poor lady. She clearly wants nothing to do with Jen McKee, but you could tell nothing to do. So I, Kelly M, she's like, I come in peace. I want no part of this. I get it. I was just curious who the hell you were. And now I get it. I'm going to leave you alone. I promise. Um, no, we, we could talk about Eliza blue right after, but, uh, and you guys could fill me in. Cause I heard there were some updates with her. I heard she's back. All right. Some donos here. We got one from Kerry. Sends $10 says tomorrow makes a year of my husband's death. Oh, I'm fucking sorry, Kerry. He was in a construction accident and was hit and run by a loaded dump truck in reverse at 30 miles an hour and still didn't look as bad as John. Really? Really? May they all rest. That's fucking horrible. I'm really sorry to hear that. But God bless you, Carrie. We also have a $50 donation here from Honest. And he says, quote, all assholes self-destruct. Continue with the search for truth and justice. Thank you, Turtle Boy. Well, thank you very much, Honest. I appreciate that. Very honest of you to say that. Next up, we have $25 from Jennifer and says Higgins is a fucking asshole who deserves to fry. Oh, they all deserve to fry, but I can't wait till they start turning on each other. He better do it fast. Will B sends $5 says Turtle Boy. I respect the grind and your dedication to keeping integrity central to your reporting. That being said, I missed my Ashley Madison date to catch the stream. So if there's any lonely cougars looking for a Jersey Shore reject looking fella, Free, free, feel free to slide into them DMs. Also, Turtle Boy, please say cylindrical again. Please and thank you. Did I pronounce that wrong? I don't even know. Uh, thank you, Will. Jamie sends 25 and says, has anyone looked at the photos of the crime scene from the morning of? Are there any footprints in the snow coming from the house to see where John was found? Because it would snowed so much. There are definitely a lot of footprints around where the body was found. But it could kept adding on, so footprints would have all been filled in real quickly. I know there's only a couple of inches of snow at the time. I think it's pretty damning since you wouldn't ever walk over that way. You're right. Like so, basically, there would have been a diagonal footprint across the lawn. I see what you're saying. Okay, just thinking out loud. Could be something. Could be nothing. P.S. My vote is for Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. <laughs> to play Jen in the movie. I have strong thoughts about Steve Buscemi. Um, I thought that Steve Buscemi's two best movies were, were that he was most appropriately casted in were Con Air and Billy Madison. Those are like the two perfect roles for him. It's like the crazy guy from high school that ends up becoming like a serial killer for hire uh, with a, with a hit list in Billy Madison and then like the crazy serial rapist on the plane. Like those were his roles. I did not buy Steve Buscemi at all in the Sopranos. I did not. I especially didn't buy him in boardwalk empire. It's like, dude, Steve Buscemi is not a gangster. He's a freaky looking guy who plays a good rapist or a good weirdo. Like that's his role. He, he does it. Excellent. He's not fucking like, uh, especially when he's playing Nucky Thompson and Boardwalk Empire. I'm like, dude, who the fuck is buying this? That this guy, stop it. Stop it. I don't know. Some people, I, I, apparently people disagree with me. I do not buy 
Steve Buscemi is a freaking gangster. Like, stop it. It's ridiculous. He's the perfect serial rapist or the perfect like molester. Like that's, that's his role. He should just stick to that. Okay. Um, and we got another turtle chat here from curious sends $10 says, how is the state explaining that the crime scene wasn't blocked off <laughs> or that the house wasn't inspected or that there was no accident reconstruction? I don't fucking know. They're not explaining it. They're not explaining any of this. These are all because Karen Reed did it. So why would they do any, like, that's what they're going to say. Karen Reed did it. So why would we fucking do any of that? But it still wouldn't explain why the crime scene wasn't cordoned off. Cause like, this is like contamination of evidence. Like, None of this would even come like this would all get destroyed in court, man. Destroyed. Destroyed. Uh, did I miss any turtle chats here? Okay. Um, what happened with Eliza Blue? Somebody fill me in. I don't even know what happened with Eliza Blue. I will cast Danny DeVito as Morrissey. Ugh, such a slob. Lizzo as Monica Cannon Grant. Yeah. I can't believe we have Michael Proctor's phone number. Oh, ah. She's a licensed social worker. So she literally, it sounds like she called Jen McCabe to catch up on old times. Instead of being like, I'm busy. She's like, let's talk for 25 minutes. I highly doubt she told her anything. Marlon Brando is a good rape. Marlon Brando is like one of the greatest actors of all time. He's also dead. You guys, you right? Isn't it true about him? It's like, dude, when he played Nucky Thompson. Wait, Bashemi is 5'2? No. Nucky Thompson was 6'4 back in the day. People were that Jesus Christ. It's like I don't know if you guys watched Boardwalk Empire. It was the grisliest show I've ever seen. Like every time someone died in that show. They had to show it in like the most gruesome way possible. And it was about like, you know, Italian gangsters and shit in the twenties and all this stuff. And like the most fucking badass guy on the whole freaking show is Steve Buscemi. Like Al Capone was on that show. The guy who played Al Capone in that show was excellent. It was the same guy. It was Tommy from snatch. I don't know if you guys like snatch one of the greatest movies of all time and also very enjoyable. Um, but uh, snatch Tommy was like the what's it, Jason Statham's right hand man in that movie, but anyway, he was um he did an excellent Al Capone. I need some, I need some chow. He goes, well, I'm gonna need a, I'm gonna need a, I need a bath, some chow, a shave, and then we decide who dies. It's a it was a good show, except Nucky Thompson, Steve Buscemi ruined that show. Could have been a great show if he wasn't in it. All right. Anybody else? I'm trying to read. Janetti was whacked. Yeah. Uh, she's so weird. Wait, whom she made a two hour video depending, demanding an apology from the daily wire. <laughs> I got to see this. Oh, I got to see this. She blocked me a while. Dude, she can't stand not having attention. Huh? That's all it came down to. It's like, no one was paying attention to her for a while. Fuck Tim and fuck Tim pool and them for letting that cunt off the hook too. Huh? They really just let, like, they could have buried her and they chose not to. And now she's not, she's back from the dead.
Oh, I'm sure they all attended his services. Are you kidding me? I love Snatch, don't we all? But that Snatch is one of the greatest and most quotable movies of all time. It's so fucking good. Yeah, I was going to say, 5'2", that's a bit absurd. Even James Madison was 5'4". I could I can act my ass off. I was in a lot of plays as a child. I'm a pretty good actor. Can't sing for shit, but you all heard me sing one side shining moment. I had to to avoid copyright a couple of years ago, back when I gave a shit about being monetized. I had to sing Luther Vandross's one shining moment, and it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Or coyotes howling, whatnot. Yes, we do have the comment section back on the website, tbdailynews.com. You do have to register as a username to comment on it. But, you know, we want to, I missed the comment section. Like, I'm not, we do have somewhat of a filter on it. We got to watch out for all the racial slurs and shit. I'm, I, but, like, I hope it doesn't get taken over by people like that because I'm not going to spend all day monitoring it. But, I want to get like that. Like I hate. I talked about the Lexus for. I'm in the market for a new car, and I came into some inheritance money like nine months ago. Um, and so I drive right now a 2010 Honda CRV with like 175,000 miles on it. People are like you drive a Honda for 250,000. I know I could. Like it rattles and it's constantly needing shit and like, you know. I did come into some inheritance money. My aunt died 11 years ago and we finally got the money. And uh, so I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, I keep looking at Karen's car. I'm like, I kind of want that car, but it looks expensive. I don't know how much it costs, but it looks cool. It looks like a cool car. No, he is so sucked. I was talking about this earlier, Matt, like, just complaining a lot about like, oh, did you I can never vote for DeSantis. I think he wrote like, I was 55-45 for Trump. And now I'm 100% until he condemns these fake AI things that some random fucking Twitter user was posted. It's like, dude, calm the fuck down. Relax. Relax. You were never 55-45 for Trump. You were 100% for Trump from the beginning. Stop it. Now, not fuck Tim Pool. But like, well, first of all, he didn't. Tim, Tim Cast, the company, paid for it, um, and and I'm and I'm grateful for that. But like, what I'm I'm gonna suck his dick and and not share my true feelings. Stop it. I'm gonna say how I really feel. I hate Tim's face and refuse to watch that garbage. It is like I listen to his show sometimes, and it's like it's like listening to children talk politics. Like, there are not exactly. The, the greatest free thinkers. <laughs> like, uh, some, I mean, they're nice, but it's not exactly an insightful fucking crowd. And if you go back and watch my show, it's like every time we, we started to talk about something interesting on there, it kind of turned like, you know, we were talking about education and they were, they had, the other two, Ian was cool. And so was um Hannah. And they were both asking me about like, uh, they were really, they weren't even interested in the blog. They wanted to know about me as a teacher. I'm like, okay, we can talk about that, whatever you want to talk about. And we were talking about it for like 10 minutes. And then Tim's like, Brack, we have, we have riots. We have riots. Antifa's rioting. It's like, when aren't they rioting? Like, okay. Okay. We're, all right. Gotcha. 
one shiny moment. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, that was Lank. Yeah, we, we did establish that. Lawless will always be a cuck. Congrats to the Golden Knights, the Stanley Cup champions. I mean, I was kind of rooting for Florida uh, simply because you want to lose to the team that beat you. I mean, the team that beat the Celtics and the Bruins now did not win the whole thing. And the coach of the other team did. The Nuggets were 100% deserving of that championship. The Nuggets won because they are the most deserving and the best all-around team in the NBA this year. Probably the second best is the Bucks, to be perfectly honest with you. Man, did they fuck everything. Or honestly, the Suns. That that Suns, that second round Suns good series was probably for the championship when you look back at it. Because the Suns would have whooped the Lakers too. And the Suns would have beat the the Heat. And we, I mean, we should be there. We're, we're arguably the most talented team, but Jalen Brown can't dribble and we have a child for a coach. And so it's just a problem. Oh, the globe story did a, the globe did a story on can today. I did not know that. I'll have to check that out. Are the casinos in Connecticut? No, the casinos in Connecticut are one hour for me. I love going there. I I brought it back simply because I wanted it. I missed it. To be perfectly honest, I miss having a robust comment section. So we'll see how it goes. If people can act like adults. Jerry said he's on the verge of ditching DeSantis for Trump. Why? What did DeSantis do? Like, what? Did, first of all, DeSantis is gaining slowly in the polls, and I think I, I still think DeSantis is going to win that. But that's just me. You like Degs? I like Degs. I like Degs. I like Degs. Stop that dog from Jim. Oh my! Oh, um. CRVs are okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get the same car. You want to get a different kind of car. I want to get like a midsize SUV. Like, that's what I want. I don't even need the third row because I'm good with that. I have two kids, not three. Um, so I can, but people like the Hyundai, the Hyundai Santa Fe, but I don't know if I trust Korean cars. It's just Hyundai seems like a bootleg Honda. I don't know. Um, the Subaru Forester, but then I'm not a lesbian, so I can't drive a Subaru. Uh, but, you know, the Lexus 460, they look cool. If you get a Lexus, you'll never go back. But, uh, oh, so maybe the 360 is the car that I want, then, not the 460. But, like, are, what kind of cars are Lexuses? Are they? I don't even know. They're not German, are they? Get a pre-owned Lexus. Yeah. Like, are they, cause I know like if you get like a Mercedes or a BMW, getting them fixed is a problem cause they're German, right? That's what a big downfall that is. I believe I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I know. But like people like put that, Oh, I save. I'm not a spender. Believe me. I am not a spendthrift guy at all, but you know, you do need a car. Like I can't, why am I driving like a poor person? Like I drive like a fucking ghetto person. My, my, my shit rattles. It's embarrassing. It's constantly getting fixed. Well, I mean, why am I living like I'm fucking poor? 
You know, I'm not rich, but I'm not poor. I shouldn't live like it. I do. I really do live like I'm poor. I'm, I'm a cheap motherfucker. Like I don't spend money. Like I, I hardly ever fucking spend money. No, no, don't get me wrong with the Tim pool. I loved going on there and I was so excited to go on there. It was an awesome opportunity. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm just being honest with you. Like that's just what I think. When is the rolling tour? That, that's a good question. We really need to do that. I've started to map that out too. I think we're going to start at Brian Albert's apartment in Norwood and then go into Canton from there. Uh, and man, we got a, I got a whole, and I think we should end it at the waterfall bar with a party, which means I need to get in touch with the people who run the waterfall bar about doing like an event there. Will they let us in? I don't know. No, I'll get to that stuff on the weekend, Casey. The other stories, we'll get to that. There was a shooting at the Nuggets celebration. That's great. A cuck is a person who watches another man have sex with his wife. That's what a cuck is. Which a lot of people are into, and no shame. You know why people, you know why some guys are into that? Because they're they're all narcissists, the people that are into cucking. Because they get off on the idea that like everybody wants to fuck my wife. I'm the man. This guy only gets the fuck. He's renting that pussy. That, but that shit's mine. And they literally get off on it. Like some guys are so into themselves and they're such narcissists that the only way to bring it to the next level is to watch another guy fuck your wife. Cause they're like, yeah, that's mine. That's my pussy. Yeah. Yeah. You like that, huh? It's good. Right. Yeah. That's mine. That's mine. I get that whenever I want it. Some guys are into that shit. I'd rather be the other guy, but okay. Uh, do you ever stay at the top mast? You go to Truro? No, no we, we got a house. We got a house. Uh, Turtle Rider is very kind to us to let us use his house down there. Um, trying to keep up with all the comments. Sorry. Hate it when he answers random comments not directed to him. My bad. Sorry, I'm trying to catch up. Have someone just mod the comments. Yeah, let's just like, we've, you know, blacklisted some words, whatever. I'm not, I fucking hate Kias, man. My first car was a Kia, never again. I mean, uh, I, I thought they'd be out of business by now, but apparently people like Kias. I don't know. I'm all set. Jerry is falling for the Dems master plan for getting GOP voters to have sympathy for Trump. Oh, is that why? Oh, that is literally the plan and they're not even hiding it. And even the Carrie lakes of the world are falling. Like, they're all just like everyone, like Charlie Kirk tweeted that out. What a dweeb that guy is too. tweet. Out, oh, everyone must drop out for, to su show support for president Trump. Okay. Because this guy is so fucking sloppy and always gets himself in some shit. Like the best candidates have to like step down. No, stop it. But that literally is their plan was to make Trump a martyr so that everybody rallies around him. Why are people saying Toyotas? People like Toyotas. Why do people keep saying Toyota? An Acura might be a cool car. Okay. Oh, Toyota makes Lexus. Oh, 
Oh, so Lexus, so Lexus is a Japanese car because I, I want a Japanese car. Like some people like Chevy's Chevy. Chevy's are expensive though, man. Like Chevy should be cheaper. American cars should be cheaper. That should be the draw. See Nissan. I like Nissan. I mean, I, my last car was a Pathfinder. It was a little too much car for me, but you know, I do like the Nissan rogue. The Murano's a little too big. I don't need that much room. Like I want four wheel drive, but I also don't want a gas guzzler. I did see he won the dozen trivia. Don't care. <laughs> I don't even know. Every time I look on his fucking feed, I'm just so bored with it. It's like, oh, he's talking about trivia or mini golf again. It's like, I just, I'm not in that world. I'm happy he's having fun with it, but I don't get it. You know, it's not my world. So I can't. People are saying, oh, that's serious about the cuck. Oh, no, people are into that shit. If that's what you're talking about, cucking, it's a whole genre. It's a whole genre. There's like tabs of it on every porn channel. A lot of guys are into that shit. Telling me. It might sound weird. Like there's a whole fuck my wife thing. Bang my wife. And like that's real life shit. That's Matt McCabe. Telling you. That guy has cuck written on his forehead. Cause that's all he's got going for him. He's like, "Oh, you guys want to fuck my wife? Huh? I have the, I have the good, I have the, the, I have the hot wife. If you, you know, if, as long as you like little extra teeth, right?" All right, I'm just gonna go all the way to the ends of the comments, so I can I'm caught up. We don't have to start over. Um. All right. Um, learn some new what? Learn something new every day. Yes, you learned all about cucking tonight, my friend. Learned all about cucking. Canton Middle School graduation got moved indoors. They don't want me showing up. <laughs> Why is Jen McCabe's other daughter graduating? Thanks. Yeah. All right, guys. So I guess we'll call it a night. Thank you guys all for joining me. Those Vike, those uh, what was that? I'd be pro for those. I was in a lot of pain at the beginning of the show. Hopefully it doesn't keep me up all night because I got to call the dentist tomorrow. All right, folks. Oh, we got one more turtle chat from Tracy sends $10 says, do you find it weird that Jen's car went in reverse at two Oh four arrived home at two twenty seven, And the first thing she did was search for how long to die in cold. Well, she said that she didn't search that. That's what they said. Happened to be searched right after she left the house. Could she have hit him going fast? No, she did not. Fuck no, no. Definitely, definitely not. Jen McKay did not hit her him with the car. So, all right, guys. We'll see you guys all. Uh, we'll see you for Turtle Club, which is growing every week. We have like almost 100 people in there for shows now. Uh, and we'll see everybody else on Saturday night for the live show. Peace, Turtle Riders. <laughs>